0: Welcome to episode number 58 of Beef's Beef. I'm here with a special guest sitting here in his office. Uh, He's been the coach at the University of Louisville for 12 seasons, has an overall record of 554 and 222, uh, two-time National Coach of the Year, three-time ACC Coach of the Year, which you've only been in in the ACC for three years, or for four years, I mean. Uh, Since he's been at the University of Louisville, his team ranks first in total wins. Uh, 11 of the 12 years, he has at least made the regional round. In seven of the 12 years, he's made super regionals, including five straight. Uh, has coached one national player of the year, 37 All-Americans, 91 All-Conference selections, has six conference pitchers of the year, four conference players of the year, one conference freshman of the year. <clears throat> he also, in his 12 years, has 60, or 76 players that have been selected in the MLB draft, 64 of them signing contracts. And, and uh, so who we have with me, I have Coach Dan McDonald. Coach, how are you doing today? Great,
1: Brandon. Thanks for coming.
0: Oh, no problem. I, th- I thank you again for, for taking the time out to uh, do, this, do this with me. I actually saw you at a uh, – so, what is it, a charity event, and I know Austin, and Austin mm-hmm. reached out and uh, got us to – or introduced us, and, you know, here we are. So, before you, you came into coaching, uh, you played baseball and graduated from the Citadel. Uh, how, how did it feel when you were there being a part of the first military school to make the College World Series?
1: That's probably why I'm coaching today. Um, take a, a group of guys, we were obviously a mid-major school, um, to win a conference championship. That was the highlight of that year, just winning the Southern Conference was uh, Western Carolina had won like five years in a row. and. My freshman year, we got beat up pretty bad. So I remember my sophomore year, boy, if we could just win that conference tournament, give us a chance to go to the NCAAs, um, that was the most emotional part. Then we just got on a magical ride and went to the Miami uh, regional down there. We, We beat. NC State, we beat East Carolina, and then we beat Miami twice. So that was very much kind of like a Hoosiers moment, you know, winning uh, that regional and going to the College World Series. But uh, when you do great things like that, you realize you can accomplish anything with with a great group of people, and I love that challenge, and that probably paved the way, uh, one of the ways for me to get in the coaching.
0: So when I was looking up stuff about you, I noticed that you're actually the – uh, All time leader in base on balls at the Citadel with 185 walks. Like so, going back to that and going into that that mindset, what what have you used as taking from your playing career to pass on to your guys that has kind of helped with patience at the plate? Because that's something that I've noticed since you've been here is that every year our offense seems to be there.
1: It's uh it's funny you know in uh, in coaching you want to set your kids up. To succeed, and I played for a legendary coach in Chowport, uh, and it was my sophomore season. I wasn't hitting real good, um, but I knew we had a we had a special team. We ended up we were like twenty six and one at one point. We won twenty five straight games. Wow! And uh, he he put his arm around me and he said, uh, "McDonald, you want to stay in the lineup?" And I said, "I sure do." And uh, he said, "Well, I don't care about your batting average." Um, but I need you to get on twice a game. You'll probably get four or five at bats. If you get on twice a game, so you should score at least once a game. You'll stay in the lineup. Do you think you can do that? And I said yes, sir. And I realized, okay, you don't. It's not about your batting average, and you don't have to get a bunch of hits. So I just I learned to become very very patient. Uh, I tried to work the walks. Uh, I realize that sometimes if you don't swing uh, and the pitcher knows you're not going to swing, uh, it's harder for them to throw a strike, uh, yeah. the mental block. And uh, But I was a good base runner, could steal some bases, and uh, ended up helping that team. I, I learned as a, as a young player, just do what you can do to help the team. And so, you know, as a coach, it's, um, you know, there's guys that hit three-run homers. There's guys that have a great eye and can walk. There's guys that can hit for high average that you know don't don't try to clone everybody don't try to make everybody do it the way you like coach to the talent and the ability of the players you have and and we've been fortunate because the game has changed we, we went from a an American League style we hit I think 88 home runs my first year here when we went to Omaha then the bats changed uh, we hit 25 home runs and 11 realized we had to go back to the drawing board um and now it's at a it's at a good place. College baseball is at a good place where um, we want to hit home runs, but we want to hit doubles. We want high average. We want to run the bases the right way. Uh, we want to score more runs than our opponent, which yeah. is pretty simple. Um, it just you know the one thing about baseball. There's several ways that you're able to do that.
0: Absolutely. So when when during your career, because I I know you I, you tried to play professional baseball a little bit after you left. Uh, the citadel no
1: i i I didn't get an opportunity to play and uh but there was a spot opening up on our coaching staff for Mm -hmm. what was back then called a graduate assistant and i thought okay uh i love the game i love competing you know why not get my master's degree uh let me coach for a few years and um see how this works out little did i realize one month into it boy the light went off and uh, i thought man this is awesome this is so much fun i'm i'm showing up every day I'm competing i'm trying to win just like i did as a player but now it's not about me you know now it's about helping these other guys and and i really connected with trying to pour into other kids i mean i I mean, I got to play on a, on a team that went to the College World Series, and, and I'm smart enough to know it wasn't because of my great talent. It was because I played with a, a competitive, um, athletic, talented group, and I, and I did my part. Um, I had so much fun trying to help others do their part. And when you look back at it, my older brother is a, today a 30-year high school basketball coach, seven years older than me. So I always say I... I Probably got into coaching because I grew up with an older brother who was coaching basketball, coached me in everything, little league, baseball and football when I was 8, nine, ten years old and um, always had notepads, always writing plays, always around the game. And um, and that those probably planted the seeds for me to realize, okay, coaching's in my blood and my family.
0: So about a month into the graduate assistant position, that was when you realized that, hey, this is what I want to do going forward?
1: I love it yeah I think the, 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 the biggest thing was okay uh, my wife now at the time was my steady girlfriend for a few years and um, she was gonna go to nursing school so now I've got to get across to her that well I know I'm getting my master's degree and that sounds great but I think I'd like to stay in coaching um, and you know the good thing is from the day she met me I was a, I was a college baseball player to here we are today that's all she's known. Is, yeah. is me being around the game. So fortunately, she was on board with it. She supported it. Uh, and here we are um, 30 years later.
0: So you stayed at the Citadel for, what, four or five seasons?
1: Actually, I, I played for four and then I coached for eight. You know, So I was there for 12 years. Uh, Charleston, South Carolina, a beautiful city. The Citadel is a really neat institution. It taught me how to evaluate players in high school, Recruit them, get them on campus, help them develop, send them on into the real world. I always tell my young coaches, you know, as we use the phrase, be where your feet are, don't be in a rush to get the next job. You know, there's something to be said about being at one place for a period of time and seeing the fruits of your labor. And I I got to, I wasn't perfect by any means, I made a lot of mistakes, but I really. Got to learn what it was to start from scratch and see these kids on into pro ball or into the real world and realize the opportunity I had as a college coach.
0: So when, once you, your time was over there, how tough was it to leave your alma mater in the Citadel and, and take, the, uh, take the job at Ole Miss? Where I mean, you had, had been having your success there as an assistant, as the recruiting coordinator, and you were actually the top assistant for the last five seasons you were there. From my, from my, wrong, uh, correct? Right? Yeah,
1: I, I, I felt like I probably hit a wall. Did about as much as I could do at the Citadel. Um, started to get a little frustrated um, that we could only go so far. Um, had success, won championships, played in uh, I think five regionals uh, during that time. But you know, you you were still losing out to the SEC and the ACC schools and. And when Mike, Mike Bianco uh, had just gotten a job at Ole Miss, offered me an opportunity to coach in the SEC, uh, coming from the Skip Burtman family uh, of LSU and five national championships. You know, in one sense, I was so excited. Um, I knew it was time. I knew it was the right thing to do. In another, it was sad that we were leaving Charleston, South Carolina, and a place that we grew to love. And we loved the Citadel, and it was, you know, it was a very emotional time. But uh, jumped right in
0: both feet at Ole Miss, and six years were awesome. So, in the five years before you got to Ole Miss, they were not really a very good team. They averaged 28 wins per season, and finished they didn't finish any, anywhere higher than fifth in the SEC West. What was the, the message that, that you kind of gave to the guys when you got there and when you were recruiting guys, because once you got there, uh, I mean, we, to make the, to make them make the jump to Ole Miss, because once you ended up, you ended up with four top 20 recruiting classes and in, including the number six in your first full season with them and six seasons as an assistant and recruiting coordinator.
1: It, it was fun for me. I mean, personally, I had been recruiting kids my whole life to a military college, and that's all I knew. Yeah. And now to be at an SEC school – um, oh I was I was a bird let out of a cage. I mean I would I would walk into stadiums, I would walk into events with a chip on my shoulder. Okay, it's on now. I'm not kids don't have to shave their head and wake up at six in the morning and, and wear a uniform and all that. Now I'm I'm selling an SEC school, it's on. And I was just on a mission. I mean I was just on a on a terror rampage that summer, just so I mean I, I barely slept. All I did was call coaches, recruits, and and connect with people and and could get kids from junior colleges and all different types of schools. But fortunately, I had a lot to sell. I mean, Ole Miss is a beautiful place. But the best thing I had is I had a coach in Mike Bianco who, like me, played in the College World Series, coached at LSU, uh, won three national championships, and really came from the, you know, if you want to say Nick Saban is the benchmark uh, of college football, Skip Bertman was the benchmark um, for college baseball. And he played and coached under Coach Bertman. So I had a lot to sell. I had a great system. I had a great history. Uh, no sense looking at what Ole Miss had done before we got there because it wasn't us. Yeah. This is the system that's coming. The system that won at LSU is now coming to Ole Miss. And it was so much fun to sell that system. And we did. We ended up. We ended
0: up starting. You know, you get a lot of great players. You can obviously win a lot of games. So from there, you you moved to your current position here at the University of Louisville in uh, 2007. I was actually just telling you uh, when I graduated. I actually watched the Oklahoma State game at my graduation party. So that was pretty cool. Uh, what was it about the university though that kind of caught your eye that? made you say, okay, this is a place that I can go to. This is a place that I can build it.
1: I had driven past, uh, you know, up on 65, past the university for years, um, had family in Indianapolis and Cincinnati. So every year for Thanksgiving, we would roll up and head over and then roll back. And, um, you know, I knew of the great baseball, I mean the great basketball tradition. Um, I knew of Coach Crum and Coach Patino um, I, I knew uh, that that football team was on Thursday night and all these different nights on ESPN. I, you know, yeah. I had seen them a lot. So I just felt like, man, this is a great place where I could bring this system and we can win. And for me, being in the Big East was attractive because I'm, I am from New York. I've got two brothers, a sister. Uh, at the time, my dad was alive. And I remember thinking, I can coach at a school in the South. And we're going to go play at Rutgers and Seton Hall and St. John's in Connecticut. Uh, For those four or five years, my dad was alive. It was awesome. You know, because I had been in the South for 18 years. And really hard for my family or friends to ever see us play. We never headed up that way. But I knew at Louisville, being in the Big East, we were heading up that way. So, I mean, I'm a spiritual person. And uh, the older you get, the more you, you trust God's plan. When you're younger, you know, it's all about... Hey, I know what's best, and I want this, and I want that. And and after getting kicked in the gut enough times, as I use the expression when an AD says, Hey, Dan, we really like you, but we really like you, but, you start to realize, okay, let's just trust God's plan here,
0: and he'll put me in the place I need to be. And obviously, Louisville was the place to be. So your first season, uh, going back to what I was just referencing, you guys had a magical run and went all the way to Omaha and that was the first time in school history that had ever happened. What was it – what did you tell the guys when you, when you got here to instill the confidence in, in them to lead to something that had never been done in school history as, as well as making history on your own as being the first coach – first rookie coach to take their team to Omaha in 27 years?
1: I think the main thing you have to do uh, lots of times when you get hired as an assistant to become a head coach is because of your recruiting ability. And I think the, the biggest hurdle you have to jump is uh, these kids know you're a recruiter or you've got a reputation as being a recruiter. Is he going to look past us to just get his own kids in there? And, and I think coaches have made that mistake before where, well, once I get my own kids in there, um, we'll win. I you know I was hired to coach at Louisville. These kids were student-athletes at Louisville. Hey, they were mine. And I embraced them and I, I promised them I'll give you everything I have. Yes, we're going to recruit and the future's bright. We're going to sell that. But right now what matters are you guys. And uh, I poured my heart and soul into them. Uh, I'm always going to say I I showed up at the right time. Uh, Jim Patterson Stadium was a year old. Uh, Lalo Prado had left nine seniors who were tough, talented, hardworking kids and It was the perfect storm, and uh, those kids bought in. They played their tail off, and and I'll always say today, I I don't ever want to look past those nine seniors, as well as we had Justin Marks and Dominguez. We had a lot of talented young kids, but just like I did at the Missouri Regional, when we won that regional, I took those nine seniors on that stage um, to celebrate and recognize them. I want those nine seniors to always have their their special place uh, in all the success that we're having, you know, over these last twelve years. So,
0: jumping from that, I mean, you've kept the momentum going the whole time here. I, I mean, if you go back to just the things that I that I read off there, eleven to twelve years, you've made at least the regional round. What what have you done to keep that momentum going?
1: You got to recruit. It uh, starts with great coaches. Um, Chris Limonis was with me for eight years and he went to Indiana. He's now the head coach at Mississippi State. Uh, Roger Williams has been with me for all 12 years. Um, the top pitching coach in the country and a great recruiter. Uh, when when Chris left, we hired Eric Snyder. Unbelievable uh, recruiter, especially in the Midwest, which is where we, we really make a living. Um, and even you know someone like Brian Mundorf, who's our director of operations been with me all 12 years been here for 24 years we call him the godfather just you got to have really really good coaches uh who are really good people uh, who work extremely hard and you got to recruit you got to get players here that's half the battle then the next challenge is you got to develop you got to help them develop and uh, again as As good as these guys are at recruiting, they're even better coaches at developing
0: these kids. So you are what I guess most people would call in the baseball world a small ball coach. Get them on, get them over, get them in. And that was kind of what your coach was referencing with you with just get on base twice and you'll probably score. What do you do do, or what do you look for in players or is that something you look for in players when you're recruiting them? I think – I hope
1: I've been able to adapt because I think when I got here, I can't. I had just come from Ole Miss. Now at the Citadel, that was that was much more small ball, a lot of speed guys, um, pitch, defend. When I went to Ole Miss, we, we were inheriting the Skip Bertman gorilla ball method. I mean, we led the SEC in home runs uh, most years, and and I came here with a chip on my shoulder, and, and fortunately, we had guys like Chris Dominguez and Logan Johnson. Um, and Isaiah Howes, you mentioned some some power hitters, Dan Burton. I wanted to like eighty eight home runs. I mean, we, we were we were we were playing for the three run homer. Now with that being said, we have Boomer Whiting, who yeah. I think stole seventy seven bases or so that year. I, I could steal bases and coach kids to steal. So I I'm I'm greedy from the standpoint. I want to do everything. Yeah. I mean I really I want to do it all. I I don't want to be one dimensional. Now the bats the ball the game has changed a little bit over the years so you know right now for me it's about fill up a stat sheet and i don't know if people rarely often look at a college baseball stat sheet you can go on our website during the season you can click on stats and it's got uh, what most people see is just batting average yeah and it's batting average is a little miscued it's it's on base percentage. It's number of walks to strikeouts. It's number of stolen bases. Number of runs scored. Um, it's advancing runners. It's getting runners in from third. So, what I always say is we got to have guys that fill up a stat sheet, do a little bit of everything. Now, if I got a guy who can just steal bases, then he can add value to our lineup. If I got a guy that just hits home runs and he strikes out a lot, he can add value to our lineup. But at the end of the day, it's about balance it's about balance up and down the lineup and if you're not one-dimensional then you know the Yankees just lose to the Red Sox yeah you probably say they were a little one-dimensional they live and died off the home run uh, you don't hit a home run for two games you don't yeah. win yeah whereas the Red Sox they hit the home runs but they steal bases they run the bases better they do a lot of little things is that enough to win a World Series? it gives them a better chance. So from from our, my standpoint offensively, we want it all. We're not going to lead the country in home runs because of our ballpark. Is, is you know There are some really small parks across the country and where they play. Uh, but we're always going to hit a lot of doubles. We're always going to have high on base percentage. We're always going to try to steal as many bases as we can. And as you said, ultimately, it's about how many runs a game can we score. And if we can do it multiple ways then that just increases our chances of winning.
0: Absolutely, so uh, recently I got the, the pleasure of getting to hear you speak at the fundraiser that I was just talking about at my former high school Portland Christian and you spoke of a motto that you that your team lives by. What Can you let everybody know what that motto and, and where did that come from?
1: Well, we, we, we have several because um, you got to keep it interesting and, and so they some of them change from year to year I think the one that's probably been most consistent is win the day, yeah. um, and, and I got that from Drew Brees and his story of you know, coming out of Texas, going to Purdue, um, going uh, to the Chargers, having a shoulder injury, not being re-signed by the Chargers, and the whole path of up and down and going to adversity, the highs and the lows. Um, so I just thought he's got a little saying in there, and it ends with win the day, and You know, For me, I'm a competitive person. I want our kids to compete, and I think they have an opportunity every day. What time they wake up, what they eat for breakfast, how they do in the weight room, they get to class, what they do in the classroom, what they do at the ball field, are they doing something in the community, are they doing study hall, are they a good teammate. Um, And so when the day has been the most consistent. This year specifically, we've got three. We've got 1% better every day, which kind of goes along with win the day, but I want guys to just try to get a little bit better each day. We have uh, stick to the process, so just trust what we're doing on and off the field. If you stick to the process, it works out. It's worked out for, I could list all those guys you mentioned drafted and all the graduates um, and all the guys having success in the real world. Stick to the process, it's going to work out. And then finally, it's finish you got to be able to finish you, you have to finish in the classroom uh, you got to finish uh, things you set out to accomplish and for us you know we're trying to win the national championship and it's, we probably won't talk about that as much this year because I think the kids know why they come here and they know what they're trying to accomplish and there's a lot of steps to get to that national championship but ultimately when you say finish it's be you know the last team standing, ending its season with a win instead
0: of a loss. So referencing something you said there, you think the Chargers are kicking themselves in the tail for letting Drew Brees go after all that stuff from Monday night? No, because
1: um, they they have a great quarterback. You know, yeah, yeah. I don't I don't think. Um, and, and these are business decisions, and and they're tough decisions. I think there's more teams kicking themselves in the yeah. butt for not grabbing you,
0: Drew Brees. Somebody brought up a good point. They said that. My, he went to Miami to do a visit with Nick Saban, who you just referenced, and Nick Saban said, "We don't trust your arm enough to bring you here." If he goes to Miami, we may not even see Nick Saban in college football. Exactly right, and and the value of a quarterback, my gosh,
1: in the NFL, it's uh, there's a reason those guys are getting paid you know sixteen to thirty million a year um, because that one quarterback uh, can change the whole dynamic. Uh, of your team and that just goes to show you um, and Nick Saban's the best college football coach in the country but um, at all levels you don't say maybe ever too no that's right but you you win with players and you've got to have great players the reason he's great at Alabama because he can recruit and and they'll say he's one of the best recruiters in the country you know in the NFL it's different it's drafting um, it's free agents it's acquisitions it's using that salary cap um, and you got to be able to do all those things if
0: you're going to win. So who would you say that you try to emulate the most with your with your coaching style? Or have you kind of taken bits and pieces from every person you've worked with and maybe someone that you admire?
1: Yeah, I worked. Uh, I played for a Hall of Fame coach in Chowport. I, I, I worked with uh, Coach Fred Jordan, over 800 wins. Mm-hmm. I worked with Mike Bianco. Uh, at Ole Miss. Those are the three coaches that I, I give the most credit to. They they taught me the game. They taught me their systems. They taught me how to run practice and, and be organized and work hard. Um, but I, I do believe, and, and I heard Skip Bertman say this 50, if not longer, um, I'm a football coach at heart. And I think if I can coach baseball as a football coach does, um, the time they put in the attention to detail, the scouting report, the use of video, um, the commitment they make you know during that six or seven month season. Um, I'm a motivator, I love highlight videos, I love knocking the door down, I love running out. Um, Sometimes it could backfire a little bit in baseball because you want to relax and this is not a football game but that's just my style. And um, I coach that way. I teach that way, and I get kids to play that way because I think it's our edge. I think there's an edge about the way we play. Uh, and for me, it comes from a, a background in high school football. Loved high school football. Thought I was going to play college football, and uh, fortunately made
0: the right decision you know, to play. You know, Division One baseball at the Citadel. So, uh, recently you had a chance to take a job at one of the more story programs in college baseball in Mississippi State. Uh, What ultimately led to your decision to make the – to to stay here and and keep building on what you have already started?
1: I think any time you're faced with a major decision like that, there's a lot of factors that go into play. Uh, First and foremost, my family, we love it here. Um, I have a younger son who's a junior in high school, Um, just couldn't see. Pulling him out of high school or leaving him behind and missing those two years. My wife loves Louisville. She's involved with Gildas Club. She has a coach's wife study, a lot of friends. So, I mean, you know, when your family's happy, that makes you happy. Um, for me, just making sure we have the commitment um, from the administration, from the president. Um, hey, we've done great things, you know, over these past 12 years, but. You know, we just have to prepare for the future. And they convinced me that we are going to prepare for the future. Um, I felt a lot of loyalty to the players. You know, I, I, I just couldn't see leaving one set of kids who came here to do great things on and off the field, to ultimately win a national championship. Why would I leave them to go coach another group of kids who really have similar goals, um, and, and like I guess the phrase says, finish. You know, we, we hadn't finished. I, I'm, I'm not saying we win a national championship and I'm just going to jump up and leave. But that's, that's a big goal of this program, you know. And um, so I love what we've built here. I love what the future looks like. Uh, I love the challenge. I mean, you know, we're, we're a southern school, but we're kind of in the Midwest. And um, these kids fit me well. They play football. They play basketball. They play soccer. They play hockey. They, they play other sports. They got a chip on their shoulder. Um, they fit our style, the way we teach, the way we go about the game. Um, and it's just, I just found it hard for me to leave, uh, where so many times people think the grass is greener on the other side. We got something really, really special here. So I just, I want to keep this thing going as long as we can.
0: So. Today you mentioned to me that you guys have the first of uh, the pizza bowl. Is that what it's called? That's our uh, it's
1: our fall World Series. So it's you know sometimes a best of three, or this year it's a best of five. Um, we let Coach Rabel, and we always have a pro guy back in school, which is really mm-hmm. cool. So from Keekefer to To Barry um, to McGrath to Strader, to all these guys over the years, these pro guys that come back and they're still playing, but they they want to finish their degree. We got Cody Iggy. I mean Cody Eagy's a big leaguer. Back in school this semester, because he was on the DL. He'll graduate in December. He's been our student assistant. So we always let Coach Vrabel uh, go up against our student assistant, which is usually a pro guy. And um, best of five. And it's a lot of fun. We get to put the uniforms on, a little more PA system, a little more game day feel. This fall was was neat, because we got to play Western Kentucky and Indiana, which added some excitement to the fall. But, But the Pizza Bowl is a great way to wrap up are uh,
0: on-the-field scrimmages. So seeing what you've seen so far, I know you still haven't played any of the pizza bowls, but uh, what's your expectations for the upcoming season?
1: You know, it's the fall is about teaching the new guys the system, um, making sure they understand the bump defenses and the first and thirds and pickoffs and rundowns and fly ball communication. So it's a lot of teaching involved. It's a chance to see that, that younger group, how how much have they developed over the year or two that they've been in our program, um, you know? But we've had a lot of guys that are just trying to get healthy. So the one thing we have missed this fall, I think we've missed some some thump in the offense. You know, Logan Wyatt, Danny Oriente, Pat Romaro, Adam Elliott, our um, guys that you know Zach Britton, you know five hitters that all played last year. Uh, are coming off of injuries, and they should be healthy. They should be ready by spring. Uh, but we we probably we're probably not as offensive as I would like. But when you're missing five older players, um, it makes it challenging. But great opportunity for all these young guys uh, to see where
0: they're at, and uh, it forces us to get them ready for springtime. So one of the biggest things that I took away from when I when I saw you speak was. Uh... How many community service activities that you guys do as a as a team? Uh, are there any more that you guys plan to do here in the future or, or anything that you'd like to maybe talk about
1: the The big one we do the NCA allows you to do an international trip every four years. so we went to the Dominican Republic we went through score international so it was a it was a baseball slash mission trip so we we served uh, in a third world country which was awesome. And we'll do that again next fall. What that did was that really got our juices flowing to, hey, if you're going to love on, you know, love on people in a third world country, why wouldn't you love on people in your backyard? So we love getting involved in as many things we can in this community. As I mentioned, my wife is on the board at Gilda's Club, which is a cancer support system. Um and we raise money through our home runs for hope and, and things during the season, our cancer awareness game. Uh, this Saturday we'll do the Susan G. Coleman Walk. And the whole team gets together, we pay, uh, and we show our support you know, for, for the fight against breast cancer. And I've had many, many players over the years whose moms or sisters have had breast cancer. Um, my sister is a breast cancer survivor, one of my best friend's wife is a breast cancer survivor. So um it's something that that our our team can can relate to and it's it's huge in this community um the lord's kitchen you know where they serve lunches uh to homeless people or maybe just people in need of a meal they say there's a statistic in this country one in six uh, americans will need a free meal at some point in their life and i think it's important that our kids um realize how good they have it you know that they live in the greatest country in the world and have probably in the one percentile of the riches of the world for everything they have from clothes to heat to air to a bed to sleep in you name it Um, so I think it's important when they realize not everybody has what they have Um, and so um, but we're always open to other things that are going on out there Um, we've been to St. Joseph's uh, Orphanage um, Neat School um, we've had kids go there. Um, Berrytown Community Center. Um, you name it, man. If there's something going on in the community, we love to hear about it and we love to get our players involved because I think it's most important that this community has been so great to them and to this university and this athletic program. It's our
0: duty uh, to be great back to this community. So I got one more question. We just talked about some serious stuff there. This is this more baseball stuff. So with the playoffs going on now, and I've, I've had a few debates with my buddies, which rule set do you like better? Do you like the AL with the DH, or do you like the NL where they make the pitchers bet? And not only that, why do you like the certain one better?
1: I mean, I, I grew up a Yankees fan, and, and I didn't dislike the Mets, and, and I rooted for the Mets in 86 uh, when they won the World Series. And, and, and when you leave New York you really root for for those New York teams even more so because you're proud of where you're from. Um, But I've always been an American League fan. Um, I do think the National League, it does create some excitement. I think as a manager, it's fun. The double switches and pinch hitting guys. Um, But at the end of the day, I'm not a big fan of pitchers hitting. I, I don't. You've got eight guys in the lineup who made it to the big leagues because they can hit and play a position. You've got this ninth guy in the lineup who's in a big league lineup. He didn't make it because he can hit. Most of them can hit. He made it because he could pitch. So I would rather have a guy who made it to the big leagues because he can hit, be one of the nine hitters, as opposed to a guy who – a lot of these guys, they don't hit at all. Some of them nowadays – Back then, you know, 25 years ago, every pitcher hit in high school. Nowadays, most of the pitchers we recruit, they don't even hit in high school. Wow. So if you don't hit in high school, you don't hit in college, you rarely hit in the minor leagues, why are we putting a bat in this guy's hands in the big leagues? Yeah. To face another big league pitcher, not to mention risk of injury, not going to run the bases the right way. I say why wouldn't we put a hitter, you know, a real hitter who, who made it to the big leagues because he can hit. And I just think more offense, more excitement, um, as well as keeping the pitcher in the game. Like, you, you see these pitchers get taken out in the fifth inning because the manager has to pinch it for them. Yeah. With second and third and two outs. And and I have nothing against bullpens, but now we just took out a, a starting pitcher, one of the four or five best pitchers on your staff. So I've always been an American League fan, and, and that's the rules you play in high school, um, and that's the rules you play in college. We, we have the DH. Mm-hmm. So I'm just not a
0: fan of, of a pitcher hitting. Which it, it, it I know that's what you played here, but, I mean, having Brendan McKay, was that was that tough with, with your background being an AL fan with having him? Because it's like, man, his bat is probably one of the best bats in the lineup, if not the best bat, but he's also one of the best pitchers on our squad. And,
1: and I think if you've got that type of pitcher, like a, a bomb guarder, mm-hmm. or um, there are some pitchers – who are, are good athletes, and if you want them to be your pitcher DH, then let them be your pitcher DH. And and yeah, so Brendan McKay, when he pitched, we had slash DH. So I chose. So if I if I took him out of being a pitcher, he was still my DH for the game. So I don't, you know, American leagues still have the option to do that. Now it'd be hard to to hit a pitcher when you have a a big league or big league bat on your bench, but. Um, so, I love those 2A guys. Now, in college, with our limitations, Chris Dominguez and Cole Sturgeon, um, obviously Brendan McKay, we've had many, many 2A players over the years. So, I got nothing against the pitcher hitting if he deserves to
0: be one of the top nine hitters. Absolutely. Well, Coach, that's that's really all I got for you. I, I thank you again so much for taking the time out to, you know, break up a little bit of time here for me to come to your office here and do this interview. I I liked all the stuff i'm hearing it's good stuff and i can't i can't wait to come to a few games this year and uh cheer you guys on and hopefully get to omaha again
1: well i appreciate what you're doing brandon you could tell i mean you're from this community you love this community um and 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 you have an opportunity to speak to a lot of people in this community so i think it's good for for this community i think it's good for people to hear and Let's keep pouring back into uh into Louisville. Hey, I, I go to Northeast Christian Church, and our motto is "Love the Ville." So
0: you don't have to be at Northeast to love the Ville. Absolutely. Hopefully, we can do this again. Maybe, maybe after the season, because I know you're going to be busy here coming up soon. So maybe we can talk about the championship you guys win this year. That'd be that'd be great to have you on here for. Amen. Thanks, Brandon. So, guys, I hope you hopefully you like that episode. A lot of good stuff in it. Uh, I'm gonna post this tomorrow, actually. So if you, I'll, I'll tag you on whatever social media you have and, and everything like that. So guys, keep liking, keep sharing. I think you guys are gonna love this stuff that's in this episode. So have a good one.